guys. Welcome to Relatable. Happy Thursday. This episode, as you can tell, is coming out a little bit later than usual. It's been a crazy day behind the scenes. Um, This is going to be a very intense episode. We are talking about Kyle Rittenhouse in that trial. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Kyle Rittenhouse was the 17-year-old kid. He's from Illinois. He went to Kenosha, Wisconsin to defend some businesses against the very violent riots that were there. Um, The riots, as you'll hear uh, me talk about with Elijah Schaefer, who was actually there, were in response to the shooting of um, Jacob Blake by a police officer. I'll explain that to refresh your memory about what happened. Um, He's on trial for first-degree murder and some other charges as well. There's a lot of corruption when it comes to this trial and how it's being prosecuted. The prosecution doesn't have a very good case. It's looking like it will be self-defense. But what we're watching is the media, big business, big tech, and really the Democratic activist mafia try to ruin a kid's life and to hoist up the people that he shot as some kind of heroes when they are so far from that. And the actual situation of what happened is so not being depicted uh, by the media. And it is so frustrating. So we're going to talk to Elijah. He is a host at the Blaze TV. He is going to set the scene. He's going to tell us not just what happened in Kenosha, but also what was really happening at these riots across the country that we have basically been told to just ignore, that we've basically been fed this this lie that they were really about social justice and that, you know, that they were justified in some way. He was there. And so this is going to be a disturbing episode. Like there's just no way around that. And it's going to be hard to listen to some parts of it. But The hope that I have is that this is going to wake you up to what's really going on. After the interview that I have with Elijah, I've got my own monologue. Um, I feel very similarly to how I felt after watching then-Judge Kavanaugh's name being dragged through the mud by salacious rumors, many of which ended up being disproven, namely that he was guilty of gang rape. That was a complete and total fabrication. The people who spread that lie did not care. They never apologized. And as I'll talk about at the end of this episode, that's a pattern. That's a pattern. We can't get into all of the details of the trial today. You'll have to trust us that the prosecution doesn't have a case, that the defense um, has done a good job, and we're not going to be able to play all the clips that I wanted to play just because this is going to be a long episode um, as it is. This is going to be a little bit controversial. Like some of the things that are said, some people are going to see it as controversial. You guys know, um, you know, I am... I am always willing to talk to all kinds of people and hear all kinds of perspectives. I really appreciate what Elijah um, is going to say today. You might not agree with everything that he says, and that's okay. Just realize he was on the ground. So he has a different perspective and a more up-close perspective than either of us do. And I'll tell him we don't necessarily land in the same place and all of this stuff. And yet I have to respect the fact that he knows more about what actually went on in Kenosha that night than I do. Um, So we're going to get into all of it. Now, next week, it's going to be 
more lighthearted. Okay, next week and the week after that, we've got some pre-recorded episodes that we have already recorded interviews with all kinds of people. We've got Seth Dillon from the Babylon Bee. We have Hillary Ferrer of Mama Bear Apologetics. And we've got Bridget Fetisy. We've got all kinds of very uplifting, encouraging, important conversations that are going to play over the next two weeks before Thanksgiving that are really going to edify you. I'm sorry that we are ending this week on such a somber and serious note, but it's so important. Like this episode is so important. And I just know right now it's going to be one of my most popular episodes because of the important things that are going to be said. Um, So let me go ahead and get into this interview. Without further ado, here is Elijah Schaefer. Elijah, thank you so much for joining us. Tell everyone about the shows that you host here at Blaze TV. Well, uh, of course, they are for mature audiences. I just want to let you know that. Um, I run a podcast called Slightly Offensive on Wednesdays and Fridays at 2 o'clock where we just laugh at the world. So if you're looking for a dose of laughing, again, I say if you're 16 or older. um, And if you don't like cursing, that one is censored. But I also uh, have a five-day-a-week live show called You Are Here that essentially just tries to make sense of the world. I do want to warn you, though, it is uncensored and there is mature topics. But if you are into that and you want to know what's going on in the world, check them out. Okay, so for those who don't know, you ran into the fire, the proverbial fire, the chaos last summer when there were, well, I guess literal fire too, because there were riots that were going on. There was looting, there was arson, there was all kinds of chaos and crime that was really glossed over by the mainstream media. You were actually there at a lot of those riots, and specifically, you were there in Kenosha, correct? Yeah, actually, I was there. It's, It's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Because I was in Kenosha by accident. Oh, really? So this was, were you there before the Jacob Blake incident happened? Correct. I was actually in Chicago, which people don't realize is just about an hour, like south of Kenosha, actually covering another riot that was taking place over multiple days. So this kind of sets the stage of how insane the world was last year. You could literally be in one city covering a riot and only have to drive an hour to go cover the next riot. They were happening so often and they were so proliferated throughout the country that this was just became like my daily activity. Yeah, okay, so before we get into what exactly happened with Kyle Rittenhouse, let's talk about some of what we were talking about before we started rolling. Set the scene for people. What was it like to actually be on the ground in some of these BLM, Antifa, left-wing riots? Honestly, if people don't realize, probably about... Seven out of 10 of any serious videos that you might have seen from any riot around the country probably came from my camera uh, because it seemed that almost like God's hand was on my life to put me in the worst situations possible, but to protect me in the midst of them. I mean, from from the beginning of George Floyd uh, in Minneapolis to here in Dallas, I mean, it was it was my first day moving here to Dallas. I just moved here and a riot broke out. I drove into the city from California, a riot broke out. I go to record the riot in Dallas. And how I knew that the country was never gonna be the same is when the police announced on their radios that they had lost control of the city. Wow. And so to put into perspective what it's like at these riots, when you're in one of the largest cities, a city like Dallas, by the way, which people think of as being Texas and conservative-ish and you know, it's gonna be safe, no, no, no. In Dallas, Black Lives Matter and Antifa and these groups were so violent, the police department got to a point where they were hanging out of their windows with rubber bullet and pepper bullet guns, just spraying and shooting people just at bay, throwing tear gas, people throwing rocks at the police cars. 
even watching a man come out with a machete and people break his head open with a skateboard. And I do want to let the audience know some of the stuff talking about is quite graphic because these are very violent events. And I think realizing that my first escape from the violence in LA to Texas started with a group of people nearly killing a man, splitting his head open with, with the skateboard trucks and laughing and people spitting on him and then watching after they That broke, was in Dallas. That was in so Dallas. This but, was, I think I remember this. This was a guy trying to defend a business yeah. against the rioters with a machete and then the rioters basically bashed his head in until he was unconscious, right? And then they, this is what, this is when I knew this was different is that while this is going on, after they cracked open his head and blood is spilling out, he's, I thought he was dead. They robbed him of his shoes and robbed his pockets, took his phone and his wallet. Like they robbed a and man they thought what, was Black dead. this is Black Lives Matter? This is BLM. Uh, yeah. And, that, and that's, that's, that was the start. That was the kickoff. That was the George Floyd week. And so the moment that I saw human beings, Americans, kill or what I thought was nearly kill a man. Try to kill, probably. Tried to kill. Thought they were successful. Laughed. They were mocking him. Laughed at him. Stole his stuff afterwards and kept going on. Broke into a bar. Started twerking. Pouring alcohol on each other. Breaking open ATMs. Trying to break into the American Airlines Center. And the police couldn't stop it. I'm going. America's not the country that I thought it was. Right. And police. I don't know if they're letting this happen. I don't know what's happening. But this isn't going to be good. And this sparked off a year. The most intense year of not only my life, but for the country, maybe three dozen riots over the yeah. course of like eight or nine months. I've seen many people die. I've watched tens of millions of dollars of damages be done. I've had guns pointed at me, triggers pulled. I've had, I've been arrested, beat up. I've been assaulted at gunpoint. I, I mean, I, it has been a chaotic year, but of course we can't move past it because as you know, like we're still talking about this stuff today. The effects of this are still affecting yeah. our country. And even seeing all of that, you know, a lot of people aren't on Twitter. And if you're not on Twitter, last summer, you didn't see a lot of this stuff that was happening. And so all you see is this kind of sanitized Instagram version, which is, um, you know, that rioting is the voice of the unheard, that these are sincere social justice advocates just trying to get people to stop killing them. But in your experience, what we were talking about before we started this interview is that you saw just a lot of evil behind the eyes of the people that were perpetuating this violence, that were engaging in publicly lewd acts, stealing, ransacking stores. It didn't seem to you like these were people who were mourning the loss of George Floyd or who were trying to fight for justice, right? No, no. And that's so important that you bring that up because like your audience that may not be familiar with me is that I am a federally credentialed reporter on top of a show host. So a lot of my reporting has to be very just objective. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what's going on. And of course, bringing the spiritual aspect into news reporting is not not only not welcomed, but people just don't understand it because they're asleep. They're not awake. And I don't want to discredit the story as we expose the darkness. But I'm telling you, being at these events, aside from the fact that they did almost $3 billion in looting and damages across the country in just eight months. That's not just money, by the way. Those are, I mean, those are people's jobs. Those are people's livelihoods also that are being ruined by this. Destroyed. Minority communities mostly. The mostly black-owned businesses and Asian-owned businesses, they destroyed in their, in their own communities. And, you know, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm there and when I look at people and when you get in there, I mean, there is no other way to describe it 
then you feel like you're in a not only a foreign country but a foreign world mm. the the collective rage and the anger these people had not because of george floyd's death but they were angry talking about how they hated men cisgendered people you know heterosexuality the way that they were pushing for everything demonic to change their gender to, to explore their sexuality and the way that they expressed that together of like let's get together and let's do evil things. Let's hurt people, let's kill people, let's steal things, let's destroy things. I mean, there is no other way to describe the energy there than purely satanic from hell. And you feel like you're in hell. And I know that because whenever they would find out who I was, because they were always hunting me down. I mean, I've had, I've had to be pulled out of situations by the FBI in some of these riots. I've had, I've had to be banned from cities. I've had to be evacuated. I mean, this has gotten so intense for after a while because we were... I was being stupid and going right into the middle of their chaos and exposing them, dressed like them, looking like them. And, and I believe because God wanted their darkness to be exposed because the media was lying. And when you go in there and you realize that this is a spiritual battle, the darkness recognizes that. And they want to snuff out the light. And they're looking yeah. for people who are trying to show the truth. And that's why the entire battle throughout all of this, which has really shocked me, the amount of slander, hit pieces, um, just demonetization, canceling that has happened because institutions that are controlled by the, the power of this world were more mad. This is what's crazy. Out of all of this, dozens of people killed, billions of dollars of damage, cities destroyed, lives ruined, uh, you know, all of the chaos, the hurt, the pain, the division in our country. The media's end takeaway from all of this was they're mad at people like me for how we, that we recorded it. Yeah. Like, that's what they're mad about. They're, they're mad that we exposed it and that we showed the truth of what was happening as they try to make these seem like mostly peaceful protests. Yeah. A lot of people, you, you might not know what was happening in the country because there were people that were in power that were intentionally making sure you didn't know. Yeah. And they were trying to make things seem like they weren't bad. But while you were, you know, on TikTok, while you were, you know, going to your Bible studies, while you were doing what you were doing, America was literally burning and people were killing each other. And there was a domestic war that was taking place yeah. in our major cities. And our government and and our news stations and Hollywood, they acted like it didn't happen. It wasn't happening. And they're trying to pretend like it never did. Okay, guys, got to take a break from that intense conversation to tell you about our first sponsor for the day. And that is Operation Christmas Child. So if you grew up in the church, you're probably familiar with Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. Um, what it is, is you go to your church or you go to one of the places that offers these Operation Christmas Child boxes. You pick up a shoe box. And if you're watching, it looks like this. And sometimes they just have the paper shoe boxes and you fill it with different items for um, a group girl or boy that's in need. So you pick the age group that your box is intended for and the gender that your box is intended for. And then you fill it with all kinds of things. So this box that I have, it has this little puppy stuffed animal and it has a water bottle. It has a toothbrush. It has a comb. It has some toys, some silly putty, some socks. And so just non-perishable items, fun items, but also necessary items for them. It's got some crayons. And this really just can make not only the day, but the entire year of people who really are struggling around the world and who are really in need. And this shows the generosity and the love of Christ for these kids. This has been happening since 1993. 188 million gift-filled shoeboxes have been sent to 170 countries and territories around the world. Um, National Collection Week is next week. So 
You gotta, you gotta get your shoe boxes in. Uh, all you have to do is go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. That'll tell you how to pack a shoe box or to just build one online. So next week is the final week that they're picking up these boxes. Go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. America's uh, SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. We're about to get, a, get to Kenosha in a second. When they did acknowledge it, they would stand in front of it and say fiery but mostly peaceful protest. So they would just lie. They would say, "Don't believe your lying eyes. Believe what we're going, what what we're telling you. Our rendering of these events." And I think you're right. I mean, it's darkness trying to protect darkness. Darkness hates light. It hates exposure. And that's certainly what you were doing when you were going to these protests. And so I want to bring us specifically to Kenosha. Um, We know that this was in response to Jacob Blake being shot by a police officer. Jacob Blake, just to refresh people's memory, he was armed with a knife. He was allegedly in front of the house of the mother of his children. He was violating a restraining order. He had previously been charged with sexually assaulting her. The officers told him to drop the knife over and over again. He didn't drop the knife. The officer then shot him, and this is why Kenosha burned to the ground. Kyle Rittenhouse went to Kenosha. Why? So this is very interesting, and I I do want to let let people know this as somebody who's been in a lot of conflict there is no event that happened even more than january 6 at the capitol that stuck in my head and the head of the reporters who were there than kenosha and the reason why it's significant and why kyle went kenosha was a riot that took place over three days okay this was not an event that occurred on one night and some guy, and we'll get into why he was there and what happened. Some guy came in, he was a vigilante and tried to do the jobs of the cops. No, no, no. Kenosha was a, I would say, an event that the local government and state government allowed to happen where they systemically allowed a small city in the middle of America to physically be burned to the ground. And this is graphic, and I do want to set the stage of how serious it was on the first two nights. People were putting signs on the apartment buildings, letting people know that there were kids inside. Mm. But these BLM and Antifa members still set the buildings on fire where kids had to be taken through windows and removed out of buildings. They tried to kill children, okay? These people had no respect for life. There was another man, he was in his late 60s, early 70s, who had a generational store. And he was telling the people, hey, hey, no, this is my store. Please, please don't, don't damage it. Like, this is our community. They took a brick, cracked open his skull, I, I don't know if he's dead, but I know that they near, I, I've seen a lot of bad things, blood flying, proceed to break the windows and burn down his store. They burned down a church. They burned down several city blocks. There's an entire half of the city that no one even has footage that they burned because there was just not enough reporting uh, reporters available to capture the chaos in the city. The, the, the amount of destruction that was that was taking place in this place, this is not also an event that was localized to a street. Okay, this was taking place from a courthouse down to the main street, down to car lots, up to the up to the uh, strip malls. And on top of this, the violence was so intense and the destruction, not only did they burn buildings down, and I tell you, it was the, the fires were so hot and the, the, the chemicals they used to set these fires to burn down stores and correctional facilities that even trying to do a news stand-up across the street on a four-lane highway... I couldn't even do a stand up for more than 30 seconds because the heat was so hot. Wow. Like they couldn't even bring like fire trucks up to it. The flames were burning so hot. So are these crazy. people in Kenosha that are setting these fires or are these like agitators 
rioters that are coming in from out of town. I saw the same people that were at the riot in Chicago at Kenosha. And I saw some people in Kenosha that I've seen in Portland. So believe me, these were very well coordinated attacks. Are they, do you think they're hired? Are they paid for? 100%. People talk about them. We've infiltrated Antifa many times in Portland. Gone. You'd be surprised at what drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette can do. Wearing black and just, you know, killing your lungs and your liver <laughs> with, with a couple of, uh, you know, very thin, pale white people that, that, that LARP on the weekends, hearing what they do. They're all armed. They have, they, they believe in a communist revolution and they believe, um, they believe that they have the right to destroy property because they don't believe in property rights. So yeah. they don't believe in personal property and believe in capitalism is part of the problem. So they seek to put pressure on that by burning down the businesses. Yeah. And, and like to, and to tell people how absolutely violent people were in Kenosha, Ali, this doesn't even make sense. I don't know how they did this. They got into groups and took down all of the streetlights. Wow. Like they got together and got the foundations and broke all the lights in the street. I, mean, I didn't know you could talking do that. To, talk about hating light. Like we were talking about that in a spiritual metaphorical sense, but what a good literal depiction of darkness hating light, literally. You're right. No, and I, this is my point. We are in a city that has been physically burning for days. The lights are all broken. There's complete darkness besides the glow of the flames. This is going over many square miles. The police have done, are doing nothing. The National Guard, the request gets turned down. This this is an intentional destruction of a city, and we're finding out with the corruption that is being allowed to happen, and nobody's doing anything. I'm there, and I'm scared for my life. I, I, I talked to a reporter, Jorge Ventura. We were in the middle of the city, and there's gang members and Antifa and BLM people, and you know someone had just put a, put a gun into my face, and thank God I think the gun jammed and they pulled the trigger and it's on footage and I'm freaking out and I'm like sit sitting there. I don't know where we're at. I'm lost and I'm going, bro, this is not on accident. Like we have the ability to stop this. Why is nobody doing anything? So as we get into this, what happened with Kyle, Kyle was one of, of several dozen people. There was two groups of armed individuals. And it's important not to call them militias because they weren't militias. They weren't like this organized group of people. But the first question we need to ask is, why were the only people that came to try to protect the buildings in the city young men that weren't law enforcement or part of the National Guard? So these were groups of young men who came armed with, with long rifles. They had like CS gas, tear gas. And I'm going to tell you what, the only people that were properly keeping businesses from being burned down were these groups of people. They were So you're talking roofs. about Kyle Rittenhouse, other yes. people like him. There was tons. That's what so, people don't get. He's not, he wasn't alone. He wasn't a kid that showed up. He was a kid in a group, in a large groups of people. There was a couple But it groups. wasn't organized. No, they just, they just kind of came. A couple people came, a couple people came, and they just kind of formed these groups. And they were actually using less than lethal or non-lethal force to keep people. They were using a lot of tear gas and like pepper spray and stuff to keep people. And they actually, they actually saved the city because the, the rioters try to blow up a gas station. And so they try to set a gas station on fire and blow it up. Okay. And they kept the rioters successfully from blowing up the gas station. So wow. before we even talk about anything bad that happened, if these guys weren't there, this would have been a mass chaos event and I'd probably be dead myself because I was there when they tried to blow up the gas station and they helped put out the fire and get it under control and get the rioters away. And this is where we get introduced to some of these characters like, uh, like Gage and Huber and Rosenbaum who were in this scene trying to get this gas station to be blown up. So everyone involved in this, you have A, the guys with guns that are trying to protect the city and B, the rioters 
who are literally trying to kill people, kill children, kill older people you know, senile men, burn businesses. Black, white, brown, it doesn't matter because you also saw in several cities people putting up, you know, on their storefront, this is a black-owned business, didn't matter, Mm. got looted. I mean, what bothers me so much is that Christian women in particular on Instagram get so sucked in with the social justice narrative that if I even mentioned, hey, this, I think this looting is bad, or hey, I think probably burning down people's businesses and homes is a bad thing, that's probably not fitting into any kind of definition of biblical justice. I mean, you would get called all kinds of names, a white supremacist, a bigot, a racist, and all of this stuff. And it just, the deception that even Christians have found themselves under, they don't know the stuff that you're talking about, but even if they do, they don't want to hear it. I don't know why, or they just want to believe that, yes, America is systemically racist, that this kind of stuff is justified, and no, the worst thing that's ever happened to America is January 6th. I don't know why, but they don't want to believe the truth that you're relaying right now. It's uncomfortable to them, and I really can't figure it out. Because the truth is feminine, like it's feminized in the, in the in the church. Like they take the truth and they turn, they've, they've created a an icon-based celebrity-based pathway of feel-good sermons in church where they think that the way you're going to affect the world is simply by having, you know, potlucks, prayer meetings in your home, and Bible studies, and that the ultimate thing you can become one day, you notice most pastors use examples of like, oh, well, if you become a pastor, you're a, like a worship leader, like they make the ultimate uh, ascension of whether you can, you know, wear skinny jeans, which I, no hate, I'm wearing them right now, but wear skinny jeans and play the guitar in a, a four-chord progression. When God called us to be like the salt of the world, like we are called to be light and we are called to affect change and we are called to go out in the world and to, to be the hands and the feet, the body of Christ. We've become like a, 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 a superficial clothing of Christ rather than his actual body. And if you've ever seen a man's hands, they're usually rough. Like even mine, they're callous because they, they pick heavy things up. They put them back down. They, they get dirty. And I noticed in in the midst of all of this stuff, I'm going, where are the Christians trying to show the truth and fight for the truth? And it's when when you're living in a world where you're seeking to be validated, where your sermons are all about anxiety and I feel good and this and that, and you're not saying, Lord, put me in the most uncomfortable positions possible. Make me a person that nobody understands that is rejected by the world. Make me like that. You know what that means? It means make me like Christ. Put me in a, put me in a situation that's too hard for me to bear around people that reject me as long as it's your will. I'd rather be there and know I'm doing your will and be misunderstood by the world than to be liked in, by my Christian circle and you know feel good. It's like Christians are not willing to get uncomfortable and they, they're unwilling to face the hard and difficult truths and realize, go, well, that's, but then people aren't going to like me. That's what God said. He said that they rejected me first. They're going to reject you. And I know for, for someone like you in the midst of this too, it has been uncomfortable. I don't like to walk around looking like an a-hole, yeah. like a racist a-hole or whatever else they'll call you today. I'm sure you don't like it either. I don't have hatred in my heart. I love, I love this country. I love the people in it. But unfortunately, the narratives that have been given to the people in the church are progressive narratives. They come from Satan. They're from the mouth of Beelzebub himself. And they are here to distract and to keep Christians from being awakened to the truth simply so that they're well-liked. Yeah. And they posted the black square thinking that was going to affect change. Buddy, that didn't do anything. Yeah. Yep. And one uncomfortable truth 
in the midst of all of this. And it goes back to the racial narratives and the police brutality narratives that we were just talking about that are just not founded in reality um, is what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. It's much easier to believe what the mainstream media is saying, that he is just a terrorist, that he is some vigilante. And I actually have, um, I think we can play it, a, a montage of what the media has been saying about Kyle Rittenhouse. Kenosha shooter Kyle Rittenhouse. He murdered two people, by the way. Rittenhouse is basically what you would have had in a school shooter. He's a 17-year-old kid. He shouldn't have had a gun. He crossed state lines to supposedly protect property. No, he was going out to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, a vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the armed teenage vigilante. A 17-year-old vigilante, arguably a domestic terrorist, picked up a rifle, drove to a different state to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs> a guy yeah. who's deeply racist went with weapons to a Black Lives Matter protest looking to get in trouble. He did. He murdered a couple of people. Rittenhouse, uh, the 17-year-old kid, just running around shooting and killing protesters. You see the 17-year-old who was radicalized by Trumpism, took his AR-15 to Kenosha and became a killer. A white, Trump-supporting, MAGA-loving uh, Blue Lives Matter social media uh, uh, partisan, 17 years old, picks up a gun, drives from one state to another with the intent to shoot people. So basically that he, um, you know, he's deeply racist. We heard them say he's a terrorist. He went out to murder these people. And you mentioned Rosenbaum. You mentioned Huber, and I think it's Grosskreutz is his last name. Hard to pronounce. Yes, those were the three, I don't want to say victims, but people who were shot by Kyle Rittenhouse. And the media is saying that he went out in Kenosha just to kill them. And I'm seeing a lot of people just go along with that narrative because it's easier to do. But you were there, so tell us what actually happened. Okay, if you guys know a lot or a little bit about the situation, this is going to be the most clear and detailed account that you will hear in the shortest amount of time. After the rioters tried to blow up the gas station that was down uh, by the main street, literally trying to destroy the city, these young men who were armed tried to put out the fire and successfully did, which enraged these people. Talk about satanic. They were mad that they were unsuccessful at blowing up a gas station that they were in proximity to. Not very high IQ. So this began a uh, schism between the rioters and the armed young men who were trying to protect the businesses. It became an actual left versus right type of fight. Yeah. Where this is where violence broke out. And some of these individuals like Rosenbaum started using the N-word, provoking the people with guns to and kill him. And there's video of that. I've seen the video of this Rosenbaum guy. He is like 36 years older. He was. And he is calling some of these guys like Kyle Rittenhouse the N-word. And he's white. And he's white. And he's using the N-word. Not Again, also clearly not thinking things through at a BLM rally using the N-word as a white guy. Not smart. And I just want to also note that he's a convicted pedophile. A lot of people don't realize that, that he raped several boys um, in the early 2000s. And so this is the person that we're dealing with that a lot of people in the media are protecting and even praising in some ways. Oh, yeah. These are we're finding out these guys were not good people. And I want to remind you that they these were people already involved in heavy criminal activity. Right. Yeah. So these are not just bystanders. These were not protesters. These were violent, destructive rioters who were in this position. As this is breaking out, I noticed Black Block Antifa headed up the street with two by fours and hammers. And I know that that's where I need to be at the front of, of the riot. I need to follow and track where things are developing. 
So as we're walking up the street, these people are lighting fires, they're setting dumpsters on fire, they're creating uh, barriers, they're trying to cause more damage, destroying street lights. Um, we come up upon a car lot that is being actively destroyed. And when I say destroyed, I mean with the most vitriol and hatred that someone can have for a used car. I'm like, what did the car do to you? Yeah. I mean, they had mallets. It's like a temper tantrum. Yeah, breaking out the lights, smashing out the windows. Just these cars were being totaled, right? And some people are out here. I mean, it's like the amount of the amount of damage that I'm seeing. I'm going, oh my gosh, this is already hundreds of thousands of dollars with the damage just in this car lot. The people proceed to do what they did to another car lot and they tried to light the cars on fire and blow them up. There was actually over a million dollars of damage down the street to a car lot they lit on fire. And the irony of that is that that was next to a church and the church's sign said Black Lives Matter and it burned down with the car lot. I remember that. Yeah, it was a, it was a, trip, to, it was a trip to see that in person. And it puts into perspective, really, how backwards the message is. Yeah. And you can never be woke enough. They're still going to no. come for you. No. Yeah. They, they still were. And so to set the stage, like, this was a moment where there was no police. It was complete darkness, minus a few lights on the car lot. And these were some of the most violent, destructive, and hate-filled people I've ever seen. I, I'm telling you, Ali, there was something different about that night. I have not seen people fueled with so much strength like there's a difference right even in murder like between first degree second degree third yeah. degree like you know like you can tell a, a crime scene when someone murdered out of rage right there's a lot a lot more stab wounds a lot more blood They're like oh this was a a crime of passion yeah that riot was a riot of passion they were there to cause harm and it had escalated and, and not because they were necessarily so upset about jacob blake correct no these were these were people that were in chicago these are these are professional rioters these people were just they had realized I bet some of them didn't even know jacob blake's name i i can guarantee it but what they knew this is where this is what it was because there was no police intervention after multiple days the people felt emboldened in their wickedness and they felt like they could go harder because yeah. they, did, they didn't need to quickly you know, hit a window and run. It's like these There's people- no consequences. Yep, they were allowed to do this. So I want to say that this whole situation, as I, as I tell you right now what happened with, with Rittenhouse right here, this entire situation is, can be blamed on the local and state government and we're going to find out from the federal government for allowing this to happen. It could have been prevented. It could have been stopped. The blood is on their hands. Are you including the Trump administration in that? Yes, I. That's besides besides his 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 collusion with Big Pharma. Donald Trump's largest weakness, not personal weakness, but administrative weakness, was not weeding out the corruption in the FBI and not taking control of the country because he was afraid they were going to call him a dictator. Well, look what we have now in office: a dictator. So, it, it, it's not dict, uh, dictatorial or fascist to get control of a country from the violence. Yeah, and. And this this was one of these situations where I'm standing. There's a if if you're like right here, let's just say that you're on the other side. There's a car between us. There's an SUV. They had broken out all the windows on the SUV, and they were lighting the SUV on fire. And I'm standing on this side of the SUV, and on the other side where you are, I'm looking through the windows, and I just see a guy running up in a green shirt. And I go, I'm like, oh, that's the kid that I interviewed earlier. I had interviewed Kyle Ritt. I, sp I spoke to him because he threw, I don't know if he or someone else threw tear gas into the, like, into the crowd as they tried to burn down another building and they got, they saved the building from being burned down. And I'm like, ah, this kid, I got to talk to him. He's like, looks like a nice kid. He's got gloves on. Uh, he was offering medical assistance to people that were, that were affected by the, the gas showing that he wasn't just, you know, a menace trying to 
you know, irritate people's eyes yeah. and, and lungs. He was trying to keep them away from the building so and help them. So when people say that he lied about being a medic, is that true? Or was he just offering medical help? No. He, he, so here's the thing. He was asked by Richie McGinnis of Daily Caller if he was an EMT. And he said, yes. And it's actually a technical because he didn't have a license, but he did go to an EMT cadet training like program. So he did have training, but he wasn't licensed. Official. So okay. I mean, yes. that's not the biggest part of the story. No, I've just I, seen I, some people circulate that, and I just didn't know if it it's was It's kind of like people, if I said to you, like, oh, yeah, like, are you an expert with firearms? It's like, yeah. It's like, well, you never took any classes, but you did shoot a lot, and you know how to shoot well. But technically, you didn't, like, get a certification that you're yeah. an expert shooter. So it's like, it's a, technical. it's a technical. And in these situations, it's the dumbest thing, because he's actually, he was helping people, and he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And and I was like, oh, that like, it's like, there comes that kid. And then behind him is running this other guy, Rosenbaum. And like, it's kind of chaotic. And I'm Rosenbaum, I'm, by the way, just so people remember, he's the guy who is confrontational with use the N word, using the N word, convicted pedophile. And the reason why I bring that up is because, OK, everyone's bringing up Rittenhouse's background. You know, all of the all of the news reports are talking about, oh, he loved Donald Trump and he loved police officers in the military as if that's a bad thing. Trying to paint the picture of who he is and give people context so they have a particular perspective of him. OK, well, if you're going to do that about Rittenhouse, let's do it about the people that went after him and that he shot too. Rosenbaum, convicted pedophile, sexually molested many boys. So Let's just put that well, and, into And the context. context is important, too, because somebody wrote, um, Nikki Klein wrote uh, on Twitter that the background of the people who were shot is, is irrelevant. Like you were saying, it isn't irrelevant because even in, in any court, you look at people's past behavior to predict sentencing because you look at their ability to redo something. And in this situation, trying to understand whether, as we're going to talk about right now, deadly force was needed would be to understand someone's past to predict what they might have done in the, in the moment to right. see, right? Because if this is like just some guy in a wheelchair like rolling up to you and you blast him with a gun, you'd be like, "That's one thing." You'd go, "Well, like, or yeah, or it was just like a pro, a peaceful protester." Like, no, if you see this person has a history of sexual violence, violence, agitation, etc., and we're finding out was bipolar, might have yeah. been off his meds. Um, this was a very violent person, and to set the stage, this was not the first interaction between everybody in the night. Like we weren't, yeah. we didn't all just, you know, teleport to this car lot. Like we'd been around each other for days for, for, for that night for hours. And we'd yeah. all seen each other. We knew who, what the players were. We knew who was doing what we're not stupid. Neither was Kyle. I'm don't assume Rosenbaum uh, was very bright, but it's he like, he knew who was who. Yeah. So he knew who was who he's, he even, no matter how stupid you are, you know what an AR 15 is. So Kyle has this AR 15, they're running up. I'm just filming these people trying to blow up a car and I hear a gunshot and it psychs me out because like people are running up, which is, which was another, another individual. So someone fires a gun over like behind me. It's like, I'm like oh shoot. It's like, and no one talks about that. A gun was fired towards our direction. You can hear the ricochet. So somebody fired at our direction. And so everyone tried to pretend like Kyle just like randomly shot some peaceful protester. Okay. The first shot wasn't from Kyle, it was from somebody else, and it was in the direction. We don't know who, exactly. Yeah, I, I think they said it might be, I, they, they have an idea of who they, they, they think it is, and I think he might be charged with misconduct, but it's confusing. But all of a sudden, so I'm like distracted, and I'm like, what the heck? And then Kyle's back turns to the car, so it's like, the, the, the distance, we're a little bit farther away. Basically, if there's a car between us, it's me and Kyle, and these are big windows. Kyle just turns around and just goes, like fires like three or four shots. I don't remember how many. It was, it was multiple shots. And I was just like, I'm not going to curse, but oh my gosh, I 
use so many words in that moment. I was like, because what no one talks about is here's what's so crazy is right after Kyle shoots a few times, a lot of other people started shooting. So shooting broke out in the area and everyone fails to wreck to talk about this. So now you just start hearing bang, bang, bang shots coming from different directions. You're hearing bullets fly. And I'm like, I am going to die. Yeah, of like, course you thought you were going to die. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. So I'm like, I jump behind a car, like another car. Cause I'm like, this guy's right in front of me. I, I, he's shooting. I don't know what's going on, but I quickly get up even as gunshots are still going off to go run over to keep filming. Cause I'm stupid. And, um, Right behind Kyle, a good friend of mine, a reporter, Richie McGinnis, was coming up. And what's so crazy, God saved his life because he didn't get out of the way. And you can see on the footage, the heat signature of like a bullet nearly missed him. So God spared his life too. So the shooting of, of Rosenbaum from Kyle happened when Rosenbaum came up, tried to grab his gun. And I don't know about you, but if someone has a gun and you don't, you shouldn't try to grab their gun. Because no. you deserve to be shot at that point. Kyle was in a position, this is what I'm trying to say, where... He had nowhere to go. There was a car behind him. There was a convicted pedophile in front of him trying to take his gun. And he did what people should do in a situation. If you're armed and somebody is trying to, to kill you and take your gun, you should shoot them. And, it, and this was the guy that Richie McGinnis, when he was testifying, they said, um, was this the guy that the prosecutor, who's a terrible prosecutor, was trying to say, you didn't know what was in Rosenbaum's head, right? Is that who you're talking about? You don't know what's in Rosenbaum's mm-hmm. head. And Richie McGinnis was like, well, he leaned for the weapon and said, F you. So like you could kind of tell what Rosenbaum was about to do to grab the weapon. Like he was probably going to try to kill Rittenhouse. You know, I did watch that and I, I forgot about that, that he did yell that out. He literally, yeah, he did. Ye- like he yelled and it, it, I don't know if he was demonic or mentally ill, but like to me, it's like nobody's, nobody's asking the question. This is what's so crazy before we talk about the other shootings is like everyone keeps talking about number one, that Kyle cross state lines. This is what you might hear. If you're listening to this or watching this, they're going to say, well, Kyle crossed state lines. He shouldn't have been there. Okay. The difference between where he was in Antioch, Illinois and Kenosha is literally the difference of going from Fort Worth to Dallas. It's like, it's the same thing. Kenosha and Antioch, exact same thing. Not only that, he had worked there. His dad was there. He had connections to the city. This wasn't a strange place. Okay. This was a, like a twin city type of thing. This is not, he didn't go from, you know, Portland to New York to go help at a riot. This was his backyard. Yeah. Which, by the way, it's so funny. People are like, oh, he crossed state lines. So did a lot of the rioters. Yes. Like from yes. much farther away. Well, that's what I'm saying. Nobody asked the question, like, who else crossed state lines? Literally, yeah. all the people, a lot of people who were there that they even said, like, most of the arrests from that from, the, from that event, where they were not residents of Kenosha. Okay. And they were stopping caravans. There was caravans of cars coming up from Chicago that they were stopping to cut the exits off to keep more people from coming from out of state. So this was common. Number two, they go, why was he here that night? Why was he there? Why was anybody there? Like, yeah. why were the why, why were exactly. the rioters out there? Exactly. It was curfew. It was curfew too. They go, well, it was curfew. It was curfew for everybody, buddy. It was curfew for me yeah, too. Yeah. Why was it only curfew for him? And that's another thing that bothers me about people saying, "Oh, well, we shouldn't talk about the background of Grosskreutz and Huber, whatever his name is, and Rosenbaum, the three guys that got shot." Oh, we, you know, their background is irrelevant. Well, you keep asking that question. Why was Rittenhouse there? Well, look at all these things he said in his past. It was obviously to kill people. Well, if you look at their past, you would ask the same question. Why were they there? Did they really seem like guys who cared about Jacob Blake? Did they really seem like they care about social justice? No. So I think it's a good enough question to ask. Why were they there, right? And they knew each other. We find out that a lot of these rioters that are involved in this knew of each course. other. Of course. It's a network. Yeah, and that's, uh, but that's what I want to say is that also the question is asked. They go, well, why was a 17-year-old there with a gun? Buddy, that's a good question. Why weren't the police there? 
Why weren't the National Guard de deployed? Yeah. Like that is a good question. Why did it come down to a 17-year-old defending businesses? That was he wasn't a vigilante either. A vigil he wasn't he brought a gun in from his own words. He told me earlier in the night to my face. He said it on the stand in the trial and he's and, and he's he said it multiple times. He brought a gun for self-defense and he came to do medical aid and to protect buildings. And he did that fine and he was doing that. There was never any signs that I saw and I witnessed that he was ever pointing a gun at people. None of these guys were. They weren't trying to get people away from them. And I do want to point this out too. They go, well, why did he have a gun? So many of the rioters had guns. Okay. Yeah. That's why he had a gun for self-defense. Well, they were carrying Gross guns. Gross had a gun and he wasn't even legally allowed to have a gun. A his, lot of people were carrying guns. His permit ex it was expired and yet he had a Glock, I believe. Yeah, and but a lot of people, his, they had rifles yeah. too. People were like, well, why do you need a rifle? It's like, look, everyone was armed. I'm just going to repeat this for somebody that wasn't paying attention. Somebody pointed a gun in my face. There was a reason to be armed. I felt like I was an idiot for not having my gun, but it's complicated to bring guns across state lines sometimes like that. So obviously, as we're seeing, yeah. <laughs> uh, things can happen. But so basically, he tries to we, we start administering aid. Richie does. We're trying to protect him. He starts running down the street. This the skateboarder. The skateboarder. This is what they say. The skateboarder that he killed actually hit him in the head with his trucks, which can kill people. And that's Huber. Yeah. People, people realize this. They, he tried to kill him. Uh, that's considered deadly force. And Kyle shot one shot and killed him. Which and is, they were chasing him. That's a whole other yes, thing. I feel like people, with weapons. Yes, he was not. Like if you watch the video, Rittenhouse wasn't chasing them. He was running one way. They were running after him. That in itself shows that there was aggression on their part. That he wasn't going after them and just murdering people. No, yeah, that's what I was going to say. They were running after him with guns, two by fours hammers so when we're talking about this kid being outnumbered and he wasn't shooting people just that were chasing him i mean he was attacked first then he shot then our favorite german last name which is hard to pronounce i always mess it's it up gross kreutz gross kreutz yeah gage i think yeah is his i know his name. first name i know i'm very familiar with him and the puff pcnn wrote about him he tried to shoot kyle rittenhouse with a loaded glock and Kyle blew out his bicep. And that is very painful. And he says he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. And I would say this. Yeah, don't pull a loaded gun out on somebody who's got a loaded gun pointed at you. And, and so it's so crazy, though, that in the midst of all this, every single one of the shootings were a clear sign of, of self-defense. And as a, as a key witness in all of this, it was all self-defense. But the reason why this is going to trial, the reason why they put him on a million dollars bond in a clear sign of self-defense, they, they charge him with double intentional homicide is because this is like a three-part issue. The main point of this trial is to test the, the limits of the, the Second Amendment. And not only, did, not only even if we win this trial and Kyle wins and it's proven that it's, it's what it, the video shows that it was self-defense, they still went, they still won because they show you that even if you use your Second Amendment and act in self-defense and win and don't go to court, they're going to make your life hell, make it expensive, and they're going to ruin your reputation and destroy yeah. you. And they're showing you that the Second Amendment may keep you out of prison long term, but you, we can still bankrupt you. We can tarnish your name even and we can destroy your life. Even if you're 17 years old. Even as a kid. And that's, the, that's what the point of this is. I mean, there's other side aspects that he's a white guy with a gun and they want to demonize white people with guns. There's an AR-15. Even though he shot a white person with a gun. But they, people why don't know that. They call, why did they call this racist, though, when the three people that he shot were also white men? Because the narrative the is they think that they were black. That's really what it is. The, the, the narrative is that he killed black people. Like nobody even knows his, that the people that shot that were white. Or at least he went there to oppose peaceful protest against racial injustice. I guess that's what some people want to say. Out, they, they say he went out to kill BLM protesters. And 
Which, as you said, there weren't even very many peaceful protesters there in Kenosha. They weren't, they weren't peaceful at all. So they weren't peaceful. They were violent. They were armed. They were destructive. And a pedophile tried to disarm and potentially kill a minor. The minor used a gun, defended himself. Another adult tried to kill a minor. He killed him before he died himself. Also has a criminal background, by the way. Yes. Uber has a criminal background, so does Grosskreutz. Yeah, Grosskreutz. Then another adult tried to kill him with an armed weapon, and he was shot. That is self-defense. You can argue whether he should have been there, anything, motives. Right. It doesn't matter. The point is, is that what he did was nothing against black people. There was no signs of racism, no signs of white supremacy. There were no issues at all. And this case is a show trial, and it's meant to put fear in patriotic Americans. And it's mainly because he's a Trump supporter, and he loves the police, he loves the military, he loves his country. All right, I've got a new sponsor to tell you guys about, and that is... Birch Gold. So you guys know one of the many issues that the country is dealing with right now is inflation. It's right at the highs of the last couple of decades. And now Democrats are pushing through another massive spending plan, $3.5 trillion, which means that inflation is only going to get worse. That means that you need to diversify your savings into physical gold and silver with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold Group is the company that we recommend for precious metals. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. And they can help you protect your hard-earned savings. Right now, thanks to a little-known section of IRS tax code, you can legally move your IRA or 401k into precious metals with no tax implications or penalties. All you've got to do to get your free info kit from Birch Gold is text Allie, A-L-L-I-E, to 989-898. That's 989-898. I bet Joe Biden wouldn't be able to say that. Uh, text Allie to 989-898-989-898. I have spoken with him extensively. I've spoken with his mother extensively. These people, these tech companies, banks, everybody colluded to ban them from everything. Because GoFundMe wouldn't allow people to donate money to his legal defense, right? Yeah, and Facebook has made his name a violation of their terms of service. So you can get suspended for even posting his name if they want to and or posting his picture. And they have de they have declared him a mass shooter mass shooter before. The, this is a, this is what's so crazy. The jury doesn't matter in the courtroom because the jury of big tech of the media has already painted a picture that this was a mass shooting of a racist white supremacist who wanted to kill black people who were fighting for racial justice. Even though there's literally no evidence of that whatsoever. Including no massive evidence. evidence against it. Yeah. But that's what's so crazy is like these, all these companies have moved to enact their own form of social justice to where they've banned this guy based on the, the predication of false narratives and lies. Even if he's, even if, even if in court it shows Which there was no white supremacy. The entire all of the riots are based on false narratives. They're all based on false narratives. Now, I'm not saying that you can't care about what happened to George Floyd. Okay, that's fine. I'm not saying that you can't care about real injustice when it happens. But this entire narrative surrounding racialized police brutality is based on something that is false. It's based on a false premise, premise that is perpetuated by the media who act like this is an epidemic of white police officers going after unarmed black men when the numbers just don't show that's true. So the riots themselves are actually fueled, fanned into flame by a lie. And then we are seeing the extension of this lie in Kyle Rittenhouse. And the media don't mm -hmm. care that they have placed him, a 17-year-old kid, on the altar 
of that lie. We saw the same thing with Covington. We saw the same thing with Brett Kavanaugh. Again, it doesn't matter what you think about the Covington kids or what you think about Brett Kavanaugh. They actually don't care. They do not care about whether or not they're telling the truth. They don't care about whether or not they're ruining people's lives. They really don't care. Yeah, it's it's that. This is what's scary is despite there being massive video evidence, not just from us, but from the FBI even in HD showing what happened at, at this event, despite the, the, the court even, the trial, before the trial even happened, that you can be X'd out of society based off of lies shows you just how far our nation's fallen and how evil people really are mm-hmm. and how much these people really hate America and want to send a message to people. That's what I'm saying. You, can, you may be able to, you may be able, if you're lucky and you have a good judge and the, tri- and the jury is not bullied, which they are being bullied, by the way. George Floyd's relatives are working to dox all of the jury- jurors on this, on this trial. Yeah. Um, that's, Even, mob, that's mob rule. That's what happens right. in third world that's countries. democracy, which we don't have in this country. That's why they always talk about democracy. That's, democracy is mob rule. We're a republic for a reason. We, we, don't, we don't vote based off of what 51% bullies the other 50%. We have state electoral college and we have representatives and we vote our representatives in because we try to prevent mob rule. They like mob rule because that allows communism, which is like the revolution of less intelligent and uglier people to to try to feel like they're gaining dominance but they end up just becoming slaves but it's like this trial shows that our rights even if the courts uphold them are being ignored and destroyed by the institutions and these private businesses that are pairing remember joe biden called kyle rittenhouse a white supremacist joe biden did that's defamation now let me remind people that joe biden uh, joe biden literally called someone, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this word, um, called someone an N-E-G-R-O today in a speech. He called someone that in a speech. He said, oh, you know, the esteemed N-E-G-R-O. Literally, that's the president. So he's calling Kyle Rittenhouse, though, a white supremacist. So that's good. Yeah. Also, he said the N-word multiple times. And he said he doesn't want his kids to grow up in a racial jungle. Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Biden. Yeah. Biden. Well, you know, we you know, won't, I can't we won't even that. go down. Yeah, so we, we can't go down no. that road. All I'm going to say is that, is that this is this is a very heavy moment. And if you're watching or you're listening, please be praying for this family because I have sat down with his mother and, and extensively spoken to her, Wendy Rittenhouse, and she's just so sweet. And she's just a middle American woman, you know, like normal lady. And she just told me like our lives have been ruined forever yeah. because my son used the right that that we were given by God that was written into law that was saying, hey, you have the right to defend yourself. And the way that the nation is defending pedophiles and murderers and rioters, rather than defending a a young man who loved his country and decided to do something, I will take an unpopular opinion and say, I do think Kyle should have been there because I think if the police aren't going to do their job, people say, well, vigilante justice. Yeah, I'm under the the, the prescription that the police have failed us and that it's un- up to us to defend our own cities and our own property. And that is the most American thing you can do to go out and to, as a young man to be brave and to go try to defend property that pe- that the police in the city is letting people burn to go defend pe- your, your fellow neighbors and to do what's right. Even if people say, well, that's illegal. Well, sometimes you have to do illegal things that, that are right. Abortion's legal. It's immoral. It's wrong. Like legality doesn't doesn't predicate morally right or superior. I mean, you can you can uh, you know, I'll try to be. You can like mutilate a child's genitals, and that's legal here in this country. You know, you can castrate them chemically. 
but it's it's wrong. It's disgusting and it's sick. And so don't try to like demonize this guy being like, oh, well, he shouldn't have been there. Well, then who was there? Who was there in his place that he was replacing? Who was gonna who was gonna defend that city? And maybe if more Americans had stood up and took up arms and protected their cities, not only would of the rioters stop, the government would have seen, hey, like maybe they should be more afraid of us too. But the government and the rioters both see American-loving, God-fearing people as weak because we've become weak. And, and it's like, it's like that's my point. Is it's going? Why? He's a Christian too, Kyle. He's a, he's a great, great guy. And it's like he wanted to do what's right, and he knew that it took doing something that could be kind of technically illegal to do what needed to be done. And I commend him for it. Well, he probably thought all bets were off because a lot of people were doing and getting away with things that were legal. It's arson is also not legal. Looting is not legal. The violence that they saw in Kenosha was not legal. And so maybe he thought, you know what? The law really doesn't matter anymore. If they're going to break the law, I'm going to, too. I don't know if I'm on the same page as you that he should have been there, although I do understand your point. And there is a difference in saying, well, I'm going to take the law into my own hands and I'm going to go out and enact vengeance on someone who I perceive has done me wrong. I that's wrong. Like, obviously, that's not a trend we want to start. It's what what you're saying is that he wasn't going out there to kill someone. He wasn't on the offense. He was merely on the defense. And he wasn't using violence to deter people, didn't want to. But because he was there, his presence was simply defending the things that he tried to defend. And then he had to defend himself. That necessitated violence. And they, so there's a difference life, in... Though. Like, like, that's what I'm saying. If they weren't there, though, Allie, like, no one talks about that. Mm. Like, they would have do you know how many people would have died if they blew, blew up that, uh, yeah. that 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 gas station? And also the amount of the amount of the way that they kept people from going into the residential areas. Like they saved people's personal homes, they saved children's lives. Like no one's talking about the lives mm. that didn't that weren't lost. Like that would have been real victims. Like these, I, I'm telling you, I watched them keep so much more properties from burning down that some of the properties where people lived above them. So my point is, is like I I know where you're coming from, and I and I respect it, but it's like. Sometimes it's kind of like yeah, it's like it's like that idea of of like you don't know the mass shooting that didn't happen, right? It's like yeah. you know, it's like you don't know how heroic somebody is that like a, a school guard that talked a kid out of you know shooting up a school. It's like because it didn't happen, so you don't know about it. It's like the amount of people that didn't die because those guys were there is like that's why my opinion is what it is because mm. I'm going. I and you were there. That's I mean, what I'm saying. So it's like, it's like I saw what they prevented. And I saw how they did it so peacefully without using violence and used their their presence to just deter evil that I'm going, maybe if more communities had just risen up. I'm not talking about vigilantism. Yeah, I'm not talking about going out and just like, you know, sniping off your roof protesters that are walking by. I meant like if more people had went to their stores, stood out in front with guns and been like, no, you're not taking my property. And it wasn't, that's why it wasn't just one guy in Dallas with a machete. Like if all the shop owners had gotten together and stood in front of their shops yeah. and said, don't come down this street. And people had realized that Americans are not weak and that we don't need the police to help us. And no, we are God-fearing, gun-owning people who, who believe in property rights, who believe in independence and autonomy, and we respect each other and we are not violent, we're not vigilantes, but we do not allow and tolerate ourselves to be disrespected, right? We do not tolerate this. Destroyed. Yeah. And we did we did let it happen. We did let it happen. And I watched, do you know who was the most judgmental of, of my heart's been hardened a little bit, Ali, I'll tell you the truth. Not, not only do I curse more now because I'm married to an Australian, but it's like, I've seen some things. We talked about some of those things that we won't talk about here on the show. Um, I, I, the world isn't a fun place for me anymore. It's, it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a joke. There's a real war being waged. And, and I see what's happening. And I'm looking at my Christian brothers and I'm watching men who are like, oh, I, you know, well, 
Yeah, it's like, well, I couldn't watch your show because you're cursed. You curse. Like, well, I can't listen to your podcast slightly offensive or you are here because because you curse. And it's like, so you're going to choose to be willfully ignorant and sit in your church and have no idea what's going on in the world because the news stresses you out and you're upset that someone cursed. Would you be mad in your home if you were if you were in the Civil War and troops walked in and they were bloodied and they stained your carpet? No, you wouldn't because those troops, yeah, they're a little dirty. Yes, they're bleeding on your carpet, but they're in a war. They're fighting a real battle. And so, yes, there's some sides that it's you don't want your carpet stained, but it's like, look, you get it. They're the ones fighting. The, the people like you at the front of the culture war, the people like that I've met and the many brave reporters and people in the military and the leakers and the people that are fighting to prevent a civil war in this country right now, it's a nasty place. It's a very expensive legal battle. I, like I said, I've been very damaged. The trauma that I've seen people like... I had to go from my mom's funeral to a riot. Like that's how that's how dumb the world was. I couldn't even grieve my mom's death because the world was so stupid that I had to go watch other people die without getting to mourn my own mother's death. And I had to confront the trauma of my mom's death by seeing other people's livers get blown up. And so I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm telling Christians, it's like, that's what I'm saying is the church people email me, oh, you know, you, you said this and it was mean. It's like, buddy, we're in a fight for our nation. We're in a fight for our country. How many more people need to die? Do you need $4 billion worth of damage before you need to realize the world's not about clutching your pearls? I'm not telling you to curse. I'm not telling you to become hardened. I don't want you to see what I've seen. I don't want you to go through it. But wake up, people. Join the fight. Stand up for yourself. People go, well, I, you know, I, I might lose my job. Christ said that you may need to give your life. Like, like you, you think in the last days that you would re refuse the mark of the beast, but you wouldn't even sacrifice being judged by your friends to not get a vaccine. And maybe you wanted the vaccine, that's fine. But I know people who really didn't want it, that thought it was that they shouldn't get it, and were like, yeah, but I don't want to lose my job. Okay, so you would resist the mark of the beast. You said, I'll stand up for Christ in the last days where the cost is your head, but you won't give up your crappy $40,000 your job that you already hate, that you don't complain about, and you always talk about leaving and doing your own thing. You wouldn't even give that up. For, your, for a simple moral choice, but you would resist the mark of the beast, I don't believe it. And that's why I say Christians are weak. And I just want people to realize that if you have not woken up, if you have not joined the fight now, wake up, share this podcast, share Ali's work, and start joining in the, the, the good fight of faith with your brothers and sisters that are, we need you. Yeah. Like, we need you and I need you. And if you, even if, and I'm saying this, this is not just if, the best thing you can be doing right now and to start is, if you're not praying, start praying for what's going on and call upon God, but also realize that you are the hands and the feet of Christ. Get them dirty, get busy, and start doing things for the kingdom of God. And I believe that we can win this. I think we could reverse this and we can overcome this if the Christians get out of their pews, get off their butts, and start doing the work of God. And on that point, like you said, one of the most important things that people can be doing is praying that the front lines looks different for everyone. Like, I'm not going to be the person that's going to go out to the riots and film it. That's you. And we need those kind of people to expose the darkness that's going on. And everyone kind of has a different role. The most important thing that you can do is, yes, to pray for wisdom and to be woken up. This really isn't about right versus left. Like, you talked about some of the failings of the Trump administration. I think we could go on and on about the fecklessness of most Republicans. So this really isn't about right versus left, Republican versus Democrat. 
that this really is about wrong versus right, justice versus injustice, reality versus lies. Mm -hmm. That's what this is about. And like you said, it's a spiritual battle. And I don't want to hear people conflating, you know, what Ephesians 6 talks about as a spiritual battle against the evil forces of darkness with just our petty American politics. We're not trying to say that what we are experiencing in America is the biggest thing that's going on in the universe. What we're trying to say is the biggest thing that's going on to the in the universe that America is playing a part of, as every country is, is a battle of light versus dark. It just is. And there is a part of that, a piece of that, that we do see in this particular trial. It's corrupt. It's calling evil good and good evil. It's perpetuating lies. No matter how this trial goes, which I think it's looking good for Kyle Rittenhouse, like you said, they're trying to teach him a lesson. More than that, they're trying to teach everyone else a lesson that you better not stick up for yourself. Like you better not show people what's going on. Um, but also they are um, they're they're trying to demonize an entire side that does want to speak up about the truth. And they're trying to scare people. They're trying to belittle people. They're trying to tell people, you know what? Just um, just enjoy these petty enjoyments that we've given you through Netflix and fast food. And don't worry about the things that are actually going on. Um, and so the first step is for people to no longer be in the slumber of ignorance that is so comfortable. Yeah. And I, I do want to say thank you to you as somebody who has been honest with your audience as you've been on your journey like that people don't realize like that if, you, if they're listening for the first time or this is like the millionth time to listen to you what you're over like 500 episodes or something mm -hmm. right yeah so maybe they've been from the beginning is that we're all on this like like don't look to people like Allie be like well she's got it figured out she knows something I don't she literally doesn't know something that you don't and I don't either like we're just people and we want to see the world better and like you said that's the key thing that people say well I don't know what I'm supposed to do search the heart of God and see and know God no light recognize where the darkness is and bring light into that dark place. And that that's why it might not it's probably not going to be on the front lines of of violent warfare or you know overseas or something like that. But you you get familiar with Christ, then you can recognize after you know his presence where something is going against his character and his nature and go, "You know what? I'm going to bring God's nature into this." And then also I will know that no matter what the dangers are in this, whether it's a reputational, financial, um, relational, you know, any of these types of, of, of risks that you could take to affect change. And, and they are serious and I'm not diminishing them. Um, you go into that realizing, and I, I want to give you confidence to people, to people listening to this. I should be dead right now. A hundred percent. You should be fully canceled and shouldn't have a job because of the things that you've stood up against. The only reason why we're still here now living is because it is not God's time for us to go. It is not God's time for us to die. And it has not been God's time for our voices to be snuffed out in this fight. And I, the Lord has told me that into my, my, to my ear that he, I will only fall when his hand allows me to. And even then I can have peace. And that's so, true of everyone. I mean, Jesus says that mm -hmm. not a sparrow falls from the sky apart from the father's will. And how much more valuable are we human beings, children of God than two sparrows that are sold for a penny? So that's I didn't think about that true. verse, but that is no, yeah, literally, that's why if you're listening to this, know that God, God's hand of favor is on you. And I just want people to be filled with that confidence. Like, that's why people will say something like, well, how does it, like, how does Ali just like say these things? Like, I wish I was more comfortable and I wish I could say these things too. It's like, well, cause she has the power of God and, and God is keeping you where you're well, at. all Christians no, do. That's, that's what I'm saying, but you have it. But I, that's my point though, is I'm going, you have the power of God. So if you're listening to this and you know God, where did God in the Bible say that 
Allie's power is because she has a microphone is different than your power because you don't. It's not true. God's power is equal for all of us. And he has given us his, his divine intervention of his Holy Spirit that has given us the ability. He literally says that like, we will hold snakes and, and we're not going to die. We're not going to be bitten. And he doesn't mean to go, you know, scam people and pick up cobras to look like an idiot and tell people, look, I'm a Christian. He meant whatever God is asking you to do, have the confidence that he will give you the strength to do it. Don't worry about having the strength now. Act first in accordance with God's wisdom. The strength will come and you will learn so much about the power of God. Your faith will increase tenfold. And when, you're, when, when your actions and your works pair up with your faith and you see and you go, oh my gosh, it's not just like Billy Graham that can do mighty things. Like whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever age you are, whatever gender you are, is that God can use you mightily to do great things. And he has marked us in this day and age and he has made you alive in this time such as this to be that light and that salt. And I am telling you, it is so exciting. And if you're bored in life or you're confused on the next step, ask God and take that jump and you won't regret it. Yeah. And like I said, it looks so different for everyone. Like people can be excited about that opportunity. Like if you're a stay at home mom, most of what you're doing is changing diapers and you're feeding kids and you're cleaning dishes and things. And people might think, well, there's no role for me in all of this. That's not true. That is absolutely not true. Like those things can be done with excellence in faith and for the glory of God. You have no idea what you're doing when you're discipling kids, when you're making disciples of Christ and when you are caring for your kids, like that is a role that matters. And it's really easy for us to be like, I hate living in this time because of all of these complications. And, you know, our parents didn't have to think about all the crazy stuff that we have to think about. That's true. But as you said, God in his sovereignty placed us and our kids and our children's children exactly on this on the spot, in the span of eternity that he wanted to place us, he's going to equip Christians for this specific moment. And it's actually really exciting to me that the theological and philosophical, ideological things that my parents really didn't have to tell me, they didn't have to explain like, what's a woman, what's a man, like, here's what evil looks like. I was kind of, you know, we were kind of insulated, lived in the Bible Belt. You didn't, but I did. Um, And so I didn't, you know, we took a lot of things for granted. I can't do that. We can't do that with our kids anymore. And that's almost exciting that I like get the opportunity to tell my kids what is truth down to the most fundamental of it. So that is an exciting part. I don't want people to hear that you have to be out in Kenosha like you are. Every single Christian has a part in pushing back against darkness with the power of the gospel, no matter where God has placed you. I And I, you know what, I agree. And I also want to say to your audience and to you guys, you guys are so epic And the way that you guys represent Christ, that's exactly the side thing too, is like someone like me is not always the best example. And I apologize because, you know, I, like I said, I have some, I have some things I got to work on. I got some things I, no, (laughs) I mean like, yeah, but I'm like, but seriously, I got some serious issues that that I'm, that I'm working through. And, and it's like, don't also, that's what I was going to say is that if you're not like, some, some of you might be listening, like, oh, even like, oh, like I'm not like good enough. It's like your perfection is from Christ. And you trust me, I'm going to tell you this. You don't have to wait till you get over that one addiction or that one sin or you change that character flaw or you, yeah, or you like even a time thing or till that one kid grows up or, you know, till your husband gets the raise or whatever it is that you're thinking, like, that's when I'm going to act. Like it's, I need to, I need to get there and be better and stronger and mightier. It's like, I am a perfect example of an idiot who <laughs> is not that bright and has a lot of world, like world issues and flesh issues that can still be used by God because the work is God's work. That's why I can't take credit for it. And I just want people to be encouraged that like, it's kind of like if God can use someone like me 
you're probably a better person than I am if you listen to this show. And so <laughs> God will definitely use you in mighty ways. And thank you for being a good example of a Christian because oh, we all a lot got of things that we're working on. No, we, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I'm like, we, oh, no, we all do. We all do. No, thank you for your courage and thank you for coming on to talk to us about this. Obviously, like, I think we planned we were going to go like 15 minutes and it's over an hour. Oops. Oh. And so we could talk, I could talk for so much longer because <laughs> you're really a fascinating person and I love your passion and I love how you've helped people. I love seeing the messages that people send you um, that tell you that you've woken them up, not just politically, but theologically as well and that's a big deal so thank you for what you do and thanks for taking the time to come on thank you so much for having me okay guys before we get into this monologue um the thing that just is really enraging me the thing that really just turned this around for me and made me start paying attention to this case i'm gonna play it right after this advertisement and then i'm gonna give you my response to it i am very passionate about everything that is going on. And I'm going to play you the clip that just, uh, it just reminded me of why we do what we do, why we talk about the uncomfortable things that we do and why the truth actually matters. Politics matter, policy matters, people matter. That's why we talk about the things that we do. And you will see a person who is affected by bad policy immediate in just one second. Before we get into it, let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day. That is Good Ranchers. So there's a lot going on in the country right now. There are supply chain issues. There's inflation. One industry that's really struggling is the farming and the ranching industry. 100,000 farms and ranches in America have closed down since 2015 because we've been relying on imported meat. If you care about America, one way that you can put America first, that you can support our American farmers is to buy all of your meat from good ranchers. They've got craft beef. They've got better than organic chicken. We have our meat from Good Ranchers. We eat almost every night. We love it. Plus, the people at Good Ranchers are awesome, salt-of-the-earth people who are also putting America first. You can rest assured that when you are sending them your money, you are supporting a business that also supports the the values that you hold dear and then are turning around and using that money to support farmers, American farmers. So they want to revitalize the ranching and farming industry, and you can help them by going to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. When you do, you get 10 free Bistro medallions. This is just good through the end of November. So make sure you take advantage of it. And not only that, but if you subscribe, um, you get a box of meat every month, you get $25 off on each box of meat for life. So that's 10 free bistro medallions, $100 value, free express shipping and $25 off your subscription for life at goodranchers.com slash Allie, goodranchers.com slash Allie. Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side um, and I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski and there were (laughs) there were three people right there Anyway, you, you can uh, just relax for a minute, sir. So 
if that broke your heart, which I'm sure it did, I got a lot of messages from a lot of you saying that reminds me of my son. It reminds me of my friend. That reminds me of my brother. No matter what the lying ghouls on social media say, and there are a lot of lying ghouls, they're calling Rittenhouse a white supremacist. They're calling him a terrorist. They're making fun of him for crying. LeBron James tweeted out um, that, oh, there were no tears. Basically, those are, are fake tears. He just ate something sour before he got into court. Um, there was a blue check mark, a liberal blue check mark by the name of Tara Dublin. Um, she tweeted out a picture of him crying on the stand, and she said that's the same face Kyle Rittenhouse will make during his first time in the prison shower. So joking about Kyle Rittenhouse being raped in prison. Anna Navarro of, I think she's of CNN, um, she says that she is mourning for the three people that attacked him, that he had to shoot and called his tears crocodile tears. Um, there are people saying that this is just the face of white privilege. There's another blue check mark who goes by, I guess his name is Kirk Acevedo. He says he has zero sympathy for Kyle Rittenhouse. Black and Latino kids have been imprisoned and killed just for the color of their skin. So this is the kind of thing, unfortunately, that people are saying I mean you heard those tears I see the tears they're not fake no matter what you think about why he was there that's irrelevant this is a kid whose life has been ruined by mostly lies so I'm feeling so much indignation such disgust such such righteous anger and how do I know it's righteous because it's anger about deliberately malicious lies it's anger over false witness and God, the source of all righteousness, says that he hates false witness. In ancient Israel, God demands those who knowingly bear false witness against someone on trial that they should receive the same punishment that the accused would have gotten had he been convicted. It's a good thing that we don't live in ancient Israel because most on the left would be in jail. They accused Kavanaugh of gang rape, the Covington teenager of intimidating a Native American at a pro-life rally when the full video showed that that didn't happen at all. They said Border Patrol agents were whipping migrants and treating them like cattle based on one out-of-context picture. Turns out the video was released of that, and that's not even close to what actually happened. There was no whipping of people at all. They perpetuated for years that Trump colluded with the Russians to win the election. That was a lie. We know now from reports released this week and last week that that was a total fabrication. It was a farce paid for by the Clinton campaign. They said that Ron DeSantis was refusing and encouraging, uh, refusing to encourage vaccines and, and was somehow financially benefiting from monoclonal antibodies. That was literally just a bald-faced lie. And all those people targeted by these lies have had their lives and their family's life severely damaged. Because of lies. There's not left and right, as I was saying with Elijah. There's right and wrong. It just so happens that in the cases that we're talking about, that the left routinely gets it wrong. They peddle in blatant lies. An epidemic of racialized police brutality is a lie, as we have talked about many times and have gone through the data so many times. The gender wage gap is a lie. That a man can become a woman is a lie. That a baby in the womb is just a clump of cells is a lie. That the rich don't pay any taxes is a lie. That America is a place primarily characterized by oppression and racism is a lie. That mask mandates and vaccine passports are saving lives. That's a lie. The numbers show that's a lie. Critical race theory isn't in schools a lie that our biggest threat in this country today is white supremacy. Are you kidding me? That's a huge lie that our planet is going to 
become irreversibly unlivable in less than 12 years. That's a lie. It's been a lie since the 1970s. You know, I'm so used, I'm so used to the lies that sometimes I forget that almost my entire job is characterized by debunking lies. Now, I'm not saying that people on the right never lie. Again, I don't think that this is primarily left versus right. So I'm not saying that at all. There are sniveling snakes on both sides of the aisle. Absolutely. Like maybe you would say that the lies about the election led to some of the behavior we saw on January 6th. Okay, maybe. That's, that, that's one. But the big lies that end up shaping false narratives that turn into CNN and MSNBC segments that are then paraded out by big tech and big business and big pharma and all of the major national and global institutions, all of those that fan the flame uh, for the riots that have burned and looted and ruined American cities over the past year, the kind of lies that affect destructive policy and so much resentment and confusion and chaos, yes, these are most often from the left. They just happen to be from the left. They're lies primarily. They're wrong primarily. They happen to be coming from the left. And these people who will just completely make up a story about a person if it helps their political side, whether it's about Trump or Kyle Rittenhouse or Nick Sandman, they're vicious. They truly don't care if it ruins your life. They don't care if it's true. It just feels good. It just feels good to them. If they get clicks and claps and affirmation, then they're on the right side. They're on the right side of history and they don't care. The ends justify the means to them. They have no limiting principles, no moral boundaries, and idiots just go along with their lies because it takes too much effort and courage to ask and follow a simple question. But is that true? But is that true? Is it true that white police officers are going after disproportionately black unarmed men? The numbers say no. Is it true that women with the same qualifications, hours, work, and education are getting paid less than men? The numbers say no. Is it true that a man can become a woman? No. Is it true that mask mandates in schools have lowered the case or death rate at all for kids and communities? No. And on it goes. But too many people don't want to ask that question. They don't want to ask the question, is this true? Because it's scary. Because it's inconvenient. It can put you in opposition to the people that you like. So you're going to see a bunch of people saying, wow, yes, Kyle Rittenhouse is such a racist. He's a terrorist. What a terrible person. Innocent. These are innocent victims. If this were a black person, wow, look at this random case of a black person where they were actually convicted of homicide. Wow, that proves white privilege and white supremacy because he's not going to be convicted here. There's no evidence of that. And if you want to compare anecdotes, like we can do that all day. I mean, what about Timothy Simpkins? He's a teenager who happens to be black in the Dallas area who shot up a classroom at school in October, was released on bail almost immediately. He says he shot up the class because he was bullied for being rich. He was then welcomed home by a party that was posted on social media. I haven't heard anything about that story since. The media certainly hasn't talked about it, hasn't trended on social media. No one cared after he was released from jail after shooting multiple people in his classroom. Like the media would not have stopped talking about that if he had been white. So, and I'm not saying that that is some, that's indicative of some systemic problem. I'm just saying that if you want to compare stories, we can do that. There's a longer list of names of unarmed white men killed by the police than unarmed black men, but most, most of us don't know their names because no one riots for them. The truth is, comparing and contrasting anecdotes doesn't really make for good argumentation. You're going to see that a lot with Kyle Rittenhouse, but it's really fallacious. And it definitely doesn't work here because this had nothing to do with race. It's just that the reason why this is being talked about the way it is, the reason why he's being mocked is because 
Rittenhouse represents conservatives and the pedophile he shot apparently represents leftists. I mean, that's what they're saying in the media. And so that's where people are coming from. That's it. And they'll do the same thing to anyone. That's why all this matters, guys. They will do the same thing to anyone. They'll do it to you. They'll do it to your son. They'll do it to your daughter. They don't care. No matter what the facts are, it won't matter. If your son or daughter gets accused of something and the political climate is just right, and they can at least convince the thoughtless mob and the media enough and people online enough that you're some that they're some kind of bigot, then it won't matter what the truth actually is as long as corruption and dishonesty and mob rule and jury intimidation and threats of riots reign. That's third world country stuff. That cannot stand in a place that cares about justice. So this really shouldn't be partisan. It really should not. I wish it weren't partisan. You should be able to see why a fair trial, a right to due process, the right to self-defense is necessary. This should not be a partisan issue, guys. And his life is going to be ruined because of this, because of false narratives. You might be like me and you might say he shouldn't have been there. He shouldn't have had a gun. You know what? If he was my son, I say yes. I wouldn't have wanted my son there. There's different perspectives on that, but that's really besides the point when it comes to this particular trial. People raising their fists in the name of justice don't even know what justice is. If Christians aren't willing to say, this is what God says justice is, this is justice, justice has to be linked, has to be synonymous with righteousness, which has to be synonymous with truth. It can't just be a perpetuation of false narratives. If Christians can't say that, no one will. Don't be on the side of lies just because it's comfortable, guys. It's not time for that. Like, it's expired for that kind of complacency. Why do we talk about this? Because culture and politics matter. They affect the real lives of people. They affected this guy. They'll affect you and your family, too. That we live in a country with actual justice and fair trials matters. The truth matters. Like I said, intense episode for today. Sorry to end your week like that, but it's important. Monday, we'll be back here with some edification and some more lighthearted conversations. And, um... I'll see you back here then. Thanks for listening. 